Hey everyone, welcome to ELL 169's Preamble. At the top of the show, I want to tell you about a special deal we have going on with Donor C. We decided that we want to give back in the best liberty way possible, and that is by teaming up with Greg Glyer and what he's doing to take on COVID-19 to help people out with a libertarian emphasis, as he himself is libertarian. So what we've done is 10% of all of our Patreon support will go to Donor C for the month of April. So we hope you will join us in supporting not only our show, but a fantastic cause. You can join by going to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And actually, you're going to hear at the $50 level, if you're on for three months, you get to choose a topic for a show, which is what our pal Davey has done today. And you will be hearing about it in just a moment. Again, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody out there who's still alive. Hopefully none of you are listening to this on a ventilator that's, uh, well, maybe soon enough they'll be made at... Tesla factories and GE factories and GM factories and whatever else is out there churning out the ventilators. Anyway, I hope you are safe. I hope you are healthy and you stay that way. Uh, welcome to ELL 169. All the show notes for today's program will be at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 169. Now, the format today is going to be a libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor episode, but we're going to be taking on a topic that has been brought to us by one of our longtime supporters. And as I mentioned in the preamble at the $50 level, that is Davey Martinez. And he, uh, I'm going to bring Davey on in just a minute to talk about how he came to the Liberty Movement and also why he wanted to talk about this specific issue and have us do a roundtable discussion on the solutions to it. So without further ado, here's Davey, and then I'll be back to kickstart the show with our pals at the Lions of Liberty. All right, so I am here today with Davey Martinez, who has been a longtime supporter of ours and uh, is one of the one of the uh, few luminaries that has a high profile job, or at least used to before the coronavirus uh, laid us all low in, here in Los Angeles, but had a very high profile job within the music industry, working with lighting, which was pretty sweet, touring around with a lot of uh, very high profile musical acts. And usually you do not get people that come from these careers and these environments coming to libertarianism. So I'm desperate to hear where you came around to liberty. And then I want to talk a little bit about the topic that we're going to focus on for Electric Liberty Land today uh, and homelessness. So give me the lowdown. Where, what inspired you to be uh, a part of this liberty movement? Well, first, I'd like to tell you that I'm still drinking a Los Angeles white girl drink. Nice. Well done. I actually debated myself starting drinking just for this call because you're in Tulsa now. So you're ahead of me a little bit. Uh, 2 right now. Yeah. See, I, I think after this, I'll jump on the, the liquor wagon. I got to eat lunch first. That's the rule I promised myself in these hard times to wait till after lunch. But yeah, man. So congrats. Good job on the drink. I like that they, uh, you're, <laughs> you're making sort of imbibe during this. But yeah, so I mean... I don't you know. I know your parents are here in Los Angeles and you no longer are, but is, I mean, were they libertarian? Did you come to this just out of nowhere? Was it a Ron Paul thing? So, uh, it all started with a girl. 
Obviously. Wow, that's even more shocking to hear when you talk about libertarianism. <laughs> okay. uh, kind of rare. And thank you for all the uh, libertarian women out there who are fighting good cause, fighting the cause for liberty, because we need you. <laughs> um, I grew up in uh, Santa Monica, California in the 90s, uh, in the epicenter of the left, of mm-hmm. this, like, democratic total uh, like allegiance. Um, I was born and raised a Buddhist in yeah. Santa Monica, California, and, um, which is, has been a great community there. Uh, the community isn't very, uh, very active in politics, but they were very, very anti-war. So I grew up in a very like strongly based anti-war family. And in the 90s, in the 2000s, especially when Bush came into power, um, you know, people were very much against the war in Los Angeles. You know, being from LA and being from Santa Monica, everyone is a progressive, everyone's on the left. And, you know, I got, I got sucked into that. I was raised in that. So ever since I was young, I, I was a bit of a hooligan, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, growing up in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, we'd go out in Santa Monica and, like, you know, I, was, I used to play metal music. You know, I was big into metal and rock and, you know, like Rage Against the Machine or like Metallica or Megadeth, you know, bands that really like say like, fuck the power, fuck the police, fuck the system. So I was always like around that like influence. Um, but still with the idea that like, but is the power the Republicans or is it the Democrats? Mm-hmm. So in my mind and most of the people I was surrounded by, it was always the Republicans. Republicans are the bad guys. They're the bad guys. They want, you know, small government. They want, you know, to fuck the the little guy. Um, And, you know, I got got in trouble a few times in high school, you know, smoking weed in my car, had to deal with cops, had to go to court. Mm. And now it's completely legal in California. Yeah, I know. It's funny back in the day when, when you actually get in trouble for these things. And now it's like, hey, go on your way. Give, yeah. give us give us cop a, a little toke of that. Yeah, I was 18. I was hotboxing my car. I was like straight A student, um, classical musician, like really high up in the, in the music world uh, as a teenager. I got caught smoking weed in my car. And the cops like pulled us out. They thought I was a drug dealer because I'm Hispanic mm-hmm. with like my orchestra buddies. Hard to blame them. A bunch of white kids in the back and you Hispanic up front. Yeah, I mean, exactly. a tale as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a big eye-opening experience. I was like, this is total bullshit. Like we're, I'm three blocks from my house smoking weed. We're not doing any harm. We're not breaking any cars. Santa Monica is a safe city. They just didn't have anything. Cops had nothing to do. Um, but they David, called. speak up a little bit more for me. Just speak up a little bit more. They called up my parents. There you go. Yeah, perfect. They, um, let me close this. And <laughs> they called up my parents and said, uh, your son is contributing to the 
the degre- the breakdown of all society. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were the COVID nineteen at that time. Exactly. I was. I was the worst person in the world, and uh, freaked out my mom and freaked out my dad. Felt really bad. At that moment, I was like, yeah, I really do not like authority. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, I, lived, I went to USC, fight on. <laughs> um, lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years uh, in downtown and um, met this girl um, who is now my fiance. All right. I didn't realize, th- I did not realize that this is the how you got involved. So I need to send her a bouquet. (laughs) Um, We met and, you know, this was, I think a year, the summer after Trump got elected. And I was one of those people in downtown who rioted on the streets the days after Trump got elected Mm because I was infuriated. I hated Hillary, but I also like thought she was a better option than Trump. Foolishly. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you have the knowledge then, you know? You grow, you grow, right? Yeah. And, um, anyway, meet this girl. She came here from, uh, came to LA from Oklahoma, from Tulsa. And we started hanging out. And because of my tour schedule, you know, I have like times where I have a month off, a month on, or I'm out of town, a month on. So we hung out one summer and really hit it off. And she would slowly talk to me about her uh, role in the Ron Paul campaign. And I was like, hmm, uh, what? Uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm a libertarian. And I was like, like Gary Johnson? <laughs> Wacko? Um, okay. And, you know, for a, for a solid summer, I was like, you're uh, like, I really like you. You're cute, you're beautiful, you're smart. Uh, but uh, libertarianism, what, what, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, um, that fall, I left for a tour for about four, four to five months, and she started sending me podcasts to listen to. So the first podcast I listened to was Dave Smith. Shout out to Dave Smith, but there's only one Davey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I started listening more and more and I was like wow this makes a lot of sense you know like this is logically very intelligent and it makes sense all of this stuff makes sense and then I started listening to Lives of Liberty Jason Stapleton you know other podcasts Tom Woods and Within that tour, I was like, yep, 100%. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like, it, again, you know, it's Ron Paul was such a, you know, I didn't directly inspire you, but inspired your fiance. Well, I'm just going to give a shout out. Jackie is her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, won't give the full name, but uh, yeah, she's she is awesome and a member of our forum, of course. But um, yeah, so she was inspired. Hey, what it, you said she was involved in his campaign. Was she just a supporter or did she actually volunteer and get out there? Because like Mark and I were, got out there door to door during his campaign too. <laughs> oh, I lost you again. Goddamn, this goddamn Tulsa internet of yours. Hold on, say it again. So what is she doing? <laughs> we got guns, but we don't got internet. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she was involved with his campaign. Yeah. She, 
door-to-door campaign for him. Yeah, it's awesome. I bet she got a lot more people smiling and opening the door when she knocked on it than when Mark and I did, though. <laughs> Get my goofy-ass face out there. I'm like, what up, man? I'm like 6'3", <laughs> looking like a creepster on your doorstep. And you got this beautiful chick doing it. Probably highly effective. Yeah. yeah. So awesome, man. Well, that's that's uh, that's a great way to be converted. It's good to see that the medium we're working in actually does have the capability to uh, to win over the hearts and the minds of, uh, of people that were not on our side initially. Although, of course, you had some nudging internally. Um, so, well, then tell me a little bit about why you want to talk about homelessness or wanted us to take on the issue of homelessness uh, and the libertarian solution to that. Yeah, uh, it's because I was raised in, I've lived for 30 years in Los Angeles. I was born and grew with the notion of seeing a homeless person on the street and asking my parents, what's going on over there? That guy is, looks really sad or really like down and out. You know, he, he, like he's sleeping on the floor. Is he dead? You know, like, <laughs> that kind of fucks with your psyche when you're a kid. Yeah. But, like, I saw it when I was young in Santa Monica, out by USC when I was going there. And then, especially in downtown over the past 10 years, it's just blown up. And the main reason I wanted to leave Los Angeles initially was the homeless population was just getting out of control. Yeah. You're not the only person I've heard talk about that. I mean, I have a lot of friends looking that exact thing right now as well, man. It's, it has gotten just, I mean, the, the amount of people that you see everywhere and there's almost no, no community in Los Angeles that's not touched by it in some way. Well, it's obviously concentrated where you were downtown, Santa Monica, huge. I mean, but it's just spreading like wildfire. Yeah. And like, I don't know for, yeah, for the past year or two, I've been living on second in Los Angeles and the heart the, Epicenter of Skid Row is San Pedro and Sixth, which is mm-hmm. about five blocks away from me, and it's just been moving in my direction, moving and moving away. And, and I'm not talking about down and out people. I'm talking about schizophrenic people, people on heavy, heavy drugs, mm-hmm. people breaking stuff. It's just like I feel so compassionate for them. Like that fucking sucks. Like what's going on? How, how are you feeding so much money into the system mm-hmm. trying to fix this, and it's not working? Yeah. You know, so that that's been my like drive to get the hell out of Los Angeles while I could, and then Corona came along, and I was like, now let's get the <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, as I said, me, I'm going to take this on this question on with uh, my buddies, uh, Mark, JB. And Odermatt are all going to be on, and we're going to see if we can tackle this issue for you. So, Davey, thank you, my friend. You are uh, a, a huge amount of support for us, and I appreciate everything you and Jackie are doing to help the podcast. And let's see if we can get this thing answered for you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Otherwise, stay alive until Tulsa, uh, shoot some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I believe. So, now. did anyone do any research on this ahead of time, or are we just making up opinions? What do I look like? <laughs> no, it's a, well. A this doctor? is this is uh, this what is reliance. A reliance of research. Come on. Yeah, exactly. This isn't a conspiracy corner. No, we're we're talking. We're just we're fucking doing live. All right, welcome. We are for those either. We're officially live on Facebook. Welcome to Electric Liberty Lands Libertarian and Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor episode on the homelessness crisis and potential libertarian solutions to it. 
Now, this was raised by, uh, you already heard earlier in the episode, David Martinez, uh, one of our Patreon supporters, had asked us to take this on because he is of the clout and the financial support to ask these type of things. And of course, this is in the bylaws of the Lions of Liberty to be money horse. So taking it on, I do think it's a great topic, though, because a lot of people like I wanted to talk, you know, like when I was talking to Nick Gillespie about this, I was like, we need to focus on solution based messaging for a lot of things, because while we are good on principle, the average person goes, well, yeah, but I mean, what about these? How would you solve this? This doesn't make sense. We need government to step in for these people. What about the minimum wage? What about building houses? All this other shit. So I wanted to bring my friends here on my Lions of Liberty cohorts to discuss. So let's start off with uh, Monday's flagship Lions of Liberty host, the one and the only uh, Goldilocks himself, Mark Clare. Hello, Why, Mark. Hello. Roar. Yes, I'm ready. Oh, good, good. We don't do that here at Electric Liberty Land. Oh, I forgot where I was. <laughs> I've been recording so many shows on my show, other people's shows. I don't even know what's what anymore. Where yep, yep. Well, welcome. Are you ready to uh, to discuss our spin I'm ready to discuss. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, some shitty wine that I found a few minutes ago when I remembered this was drinking. Nice. Sutter Home, Merlot. Ooh, just, Any, just, anything that's summer in it's always good. You just found oh, it. Sutter Home, not You summer. found it outside oh, on the uh This is sidewalk. like a $3 wine, my friends. Stutter Home, just a, a, a homeless a homeless stutterer made it. He's like, I got some what, what, what wine for you. All right, well, you heard the other voice, uh, two of three. John Odermatt, host of Felony Friday, is also here joining us. Jodermatt, what are you drinking? Well, happy to be here, Brian. Was that your my voice for this podcast? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? Ray Johnson impression? <laughs> he sounded like Kenneth on 30 Rock. What happened um, to me? <laughs> got some uh, Sierra Nevada, which uh, I've been drinking a lot of because I bought three cases of it because nice. I'm afraid the beer distributor is going to shut down. Oh, yeah. look at you hoarding. Hoarding. Despite people telling not to hoard, now you're fucking up the entire market Disgrace. supply. Goddamn ridiculous. And rounding us out here, we have got Dr. Science himself, the man from Philly, the myth the legend, J.B. Lubin. How you doing? He actually is a man, a myth, and a legend at this point. He is. He's become all three. I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the the intro. Yeah, man. What you swinging down there? I got two drinks. I've got a little bit of a whiskey, some Canadian whiskey, Kinsey, and I've got a Dale's Pale Ale. Okay. Oh, pretty tasty. I have yeah. a question for JB. Has has your uh, newfound prominence on the show due to our releasing of these uh, coronavirus conspiracy corners? Has that led to any changes in your life? Are you well? I would say you're more recognized when you're out, but I guess you're not out <laughs> anymore. So no, I actually didn't realize I, I had some newfound prominence now that you mention it. But yeah, I guess. well, prominence is all relative. Everybody's clamoring. There's all these libertarians out there on their Facebook in the search bar typing in Dr. Science. I got to friend him. He doesn't <laughs> exist. Trending now. Trending now. And now with the Libertarian Convention potentially canceled, the National Convention, we may never get to film our Dr. Science episodes. Look, if that's the last thing we do before we die of coronavirus, that should, that should be the last thing we do. So, that was a, well, that was, sentence didn't make sense at all, but you know well, what I'm saying. Oh, we know you're saying. <laughs> okay, get the point. It's not <laughs> a good point, but I understand. Yeah. So <laughs> to round it point, out, it, I am drinking right. some Guinness in a Flyers mug, so it looks extra cool, the black and the orange. And, Poison uh, chalice. Yeah, because I, you know, I bought a bunch of uh, liquor for St. Paddy's Day. I was like, I'm going to St. Paddy's Day up at home. And I also have Jameson here. I'm drinking my St. Paddy's Day pr- some provisions. Drank that much since St. Paddy's Day already. Uh, so I'm drinking my provisions. So I went out and I bought a bunch of Killian, or not Killian's, uh, Smittick's Red Ale. I bought a bunch of Guinness to do chill, or to do uh, car bombs with, and I bought my Jameson. So I'm going to 
suck that down while we're discussing this homeless issues. Although I feel like honoring the topic, we should have gone out and bought some Night Train, some Wild Irish Rose, and some Mad Dog 2020s. Oh, God. <laughs> which of those, real quick before we get into this officially, which of, your, which of those are your favorites, guys? I, I've only ever had Mad Dog 2020, and I think we all know favorites. when that was. And I've had it multiple <laughs> oh, yeah. times. Well, and every time it? I had it, I have no idea what happened. I'm a night, I'm <laughs> a night train guy myself. Night train. That's the one. Night I've never had night train. No. You've have never you? done the Trinity then. Yeah. What was it? What was the other one? It's mad dog night train and, and wild Irish Rose. Yes. I've never had that either. So I've only that had is mad a, dog, so. a beast of a time. They are and sweet, sweet wines. In that college, are very- some of us brave souls did the Trinity where you drink one bottle, which I think is about an eighth or so. Yeah. In one night. Of each of them. That was the Trinity, yeah. yeah. Oh my that God. Was that was wow. the time Howie's mentioned it on a couple of shows at this point that I punched Howie in the face. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know why, nor do I remember it, but I did, apparently I did. There were witnesses, so I, I believe them. But it's, <laughs> we, it's very, we were friends the next day still. It was yeah, it's very cheap liquor that's fortified. It's extra strong wine. And that's why so many homeless people want to punch you in the face. I think I sense, know why actually. you punched Howie in the face. And I think you were in the right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, and I'm not going to comment, but you're probably right, and I'm probably maybe, right. Maybe we can discuss it on the Wrestling Degenerate Gamblers episode uh, we do uh, that Howie's not allowed on, and you can that tell That sounds like the perfect forum for that, so uh, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty to maybe hear an expanded, uh, expanded version of that topic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And right. we may as well plug also, while we're talking about how to help people in the world out here, our, uh, our little Patreon deal with... Donor seat. I already did. It's at the front of the episode. Don't worry. Ah, see, I, don't, I didn't get to, I wasn't privy to that part. All right. Yeah, I, I record a little preamble. Well, then never mind. Who cares? Yeah. So, all right. So, getting into it, um, homelessness, for, one of the things just to start is where do you guys think this, this started? How do you think we got so many goddamn homeless? Where do you think it became a real problem? All right. Go, Mark, you're, you're very eagerly raise your hand like research. I'll tell you where homelessness started at the beginning of mankind when we were born. And we didn't have homes because we were just humans born into the wild. And I'm not, I'm making a joke, but I'm really not. Because the, the real question that people should be asking is how home, homeness started. How did we get homes in the first place? How do mm. we get to a point where we have a mass, where most of society has a home, has a place to live and shelter and heat and water and all these things? That's not true in all, all of the world, but it's true in the world we live in here. And it's even true in this world in LA where we have a huge homeless problem. Why do people have homes? And I think if we ask the question, why people have homes, we will find the answer to why people don't. I can get more specific if you want. Well, so why well, do people have homes? Oh, they have oh, homes because they don't want to live uh, out in the elements. I don't they, mean the uh, reasons why. I don't mean the reasons they want one. I mean why we're all why no, all of us in society are able to get them. And that I, is I think course. I think I know what you mean. Well, I thought I knew what you meant. Like the reason we have homes. <laughs> You're basically asking, like, it's, it goes lock and step with civilization and the agricultural revolution. And, and trade and capitalism. Yeah, and, and, and property. It's basically once, once the agricultural revolution began, when we started to farm, property became important. And holding property and, like, putting your labor into that property and getting something out of it became important. So that came lock, lock and step without, with not being so nomadic anymore and mm-hmm. not caring what, exactly what you slept every day to being, like, this is my plot of land. This is my beans. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put a structure here and stay there indefinitely. And then well, hopefully the, pass it on and so on. That's the manifestation of the home. It has yeah. agriculture, essentially. So the and homeless then, really then are just more enlightened. Civilization. <laughs> no, yeah. but, but at the same time, man, you still have that urge to like build something, right? Even the homeless, 
still have the urge to till the soil because they have their goddamn shopping carts. And Andrea has a lot of this mental illness as well, but they have, they collect their belongings. They still have their private property, despite the fact that they're homeless roaming the earth. They still have massive amounts of shopping carts. They still will build their little tent cities. Like they still do <laughs> want a home. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm not but saying people like don't want like, shelter. I, I, yeah, that's I'm, more like a hunter gatherer. Hunter gatherers yeah. have shelter, but they're yeah, not exactly. homes in the tire in the in the sense that we're really feeling it. Like not a dictionary yeah. definition. Like the difference between having a house and a home, and for the sake of sounding like a greeting card, <laughs> you see what I mean now. You know, <laughs> Doctor Hallmark. Coming yeah, out. I think the yeah. difference between home and shelter is is a pretty important one because I I see people. Yeah. I live by the airport. There's a ton of people that I see that have a shelter, like they put a tarp over a side of a fence. But I don't think they. I wouldn't call that a home under my. No, they're not cleaning a garden. They're not. No, they're not. They're not putting doilies down inside on the the piles of trash. But they're well, very mobile. They can well, we're talking about the, the the crisis and the start of homelessness. Though. I mean. I think there's a few things we have to get into. I mean, one is how many people are legitimately homeless because of loss of jobs or wages or unfortunate circumstances, right? That's a portion of the population. Number two, how many are mentally ill that no matter what you do, these people are just, they're, they're not going to be able to exist without supervision. Number three, how many people don't want a home? And this is a large portion of the population in LA they don't want a home. They don't want to have to pay for it. They don't want to, have to take care of it. They're happier being transient. They're happier doing whatever they're going to do on their own. And then number four, how many are people that were uh, mentally or physically incapacitated that were brought into this situation, aka dumped by, let's say, a medical institution, uh, let's say a hospital, let's say a family member that just did, gave up and didn't want to deal with their shit anymore and said, off to skid row with you. Because I mean, so it's, it's, isn't, that a, isn't that a sub, isn't that a subgroup of the, uh, of mentally the mentally ill? Yeah, but it can be, earlier, it can be physically ill too, because I was reading an article. It could be physical, like, physical disabilities. And, physical, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah I, I guess I would separate. Yeah. Physical and mental disabilities. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's the thing is like, you know, where does that breakdown come from and, and how prevalent are each group? You know, what do you guys take on that? Well, um, can I finish my point? <laughs> Uh, that <laughs> no, I, I just so want to. Why do we that. have homes? Point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I was just what I was getting to ultimately was the reason that mass scale homes were able to to fr- flourish to the point that it, like you don't even think you and I don't think twice about whether any of our friends have a home. No one's like, oh, does he have a home? Does he have a house? We know everyone has a home for the most part. Not obviously not everyone because people in LA and there's a major homeless problem, but but in society overall like our first world societies, it's just assumed that you have a home as in like a, a roof over your head. That's because that we have, for much of our history, we've allowed free trade and capitalism and property rights that have allowed people to have yeah. homes that have allowed the kind of prosperous society. And when you look at the areas that have the worst homelessness, and California has the perfect mix of a million different things all at once, including the weather and including the laws mm. that allow the homeless to sleep in parks and, and in LA yep. anyway, that is probably part of it. So that's certainly part of the reason too. But And massive look, support systems for them too. Yes, Yes. And, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not against voluntary support systems, but we can't deny that the, that, that endless support from the government certainly has an, an effect on people staying homeless. Uh, but ultimately, in places that you see that curb, that you see property rights and capitalism and, and re- particularly involving um, zoning and rent regulations, when you see more of that, you see more homeless. And there is no state that is probably worse than that stuff than California. And it's getting even worse. They even passed more, more um, rent control related things recently. And that just creates more homelessness, more in a, in economic inability for people to have a home. When you combine that with, un- with uh, um, 
wage laws with minimum wage laws. Like a lot of these. Well, hold on, hold on, people- hold on. We're getting, we're getting way ahead of the conversation. Hold on. I want to get to that. I want to get to that. Okay. I want to stop before we, before we go all the way down the, 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 the rails here. I want to start with though, what created the crisis. So we talked about the regulations, the zoning, like that's definitely a part of it. Uh, I talked about the dumping of, you know, mentally ill, clinically ill people, disabled people. Uh, We talk about states allowing people to come in unabashed, right? So just to slow things down before we go soup to nuts, here's why it's all Can we talk about the point you made before Mark took us back because I had a comment on (laughs) Yeah, well, let's, take it. let's I want to take it slow and really break it down. So we're talking, I, like I said, I want this to be like a real conversation about solutions. So let's start with the causes and break them down, and then we'll get to the solutions uh, a little bit later in the pot. Oh, but, but I mean, before we talk about the causes, because you broke it down into, I, I think that was a smart way to do it, the different categories that right. we have. Because there are people that probably no matter what you do, they don't want a home. So right. those people, you're not going to solve that problem for them because they don't want it to be solved. And I, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think, what the percentages are. Um, there's probably been some research done. I didn't do any research on it, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's very hard to tell, to be honest, what that would be. But I mean, what you're saying, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I guess to, to take a stab at it, I would guess that probably the majority of homeless people have some sort of mental illness or um, drug addiction. If we're, or, I don't know if we're going to ca- yeah, categorize yeah, I guess, that. I as guess a, that's a good way to put it. Um, I guess you could lump those two together. Mentally um, impaired, let's say. Yeah, me- mentally impaired. Or yeah, so your yeah, drug addiction would, would fall under that. So that's probably the majority. Probably the ones that just want to be homeless, I would guess, is less than a quarter, less than twenty percent, probably. I don't know. I um, see. I would say maybe, but at the same time, it's a growing thing. And so tying into what Mark was saying with regulations, right? So when you've got a society that you know, let's take that segment, the people that want to be homeless. And there's a large problem, or there was with LA back when they started putting street signs up now that prohibit uh, RVs from coming in and parking. You had people literally who had have, they would have houses, they would be transient, they get RVs, they come into LA and they just rent the houses out for, for whatever, and then come here and party on the streets. And they'd be meth heads and they'd be whatever else. And they'd be, I told you this famous story where I was walking down Culver Boulevard, where I used to live, and there was just a 90 year old naked lady just walking around her RV at eight in the morning. It's having fun. Tits akimbo. Wagging them around. So, so are we falling here? Because Probably think not 90, but okay. If we're talking well, like really like like legitimately, honestly, just don't want a house, don't want to be burdened, want to have this free mm-hmm. like bohemian like traveler lifestyle. I think that number is probably small. It's probably I think it's like higher a, in California. Well, probably. It's to California. Be fair. It's, yeah, probably because the weather's good and being outside all year is not so bad, but Maybe like in a place in the Northeast, that number is probably pretty small. Agreed. In the the North vast East, majority of them, are. yeah, the vast majority of them are either mentally ill or drug addicts that can't like maintain. They're so drug addled they can't maintain a normal life in terms of holding a job down so well, you can afford. A let me ask you guys this: You, JB, you and, and Odie, you're both in, in uh, Philly and Pittsburgh, respectively. Have you seen more or less homeless over the past year? Because in California and LA and the West Coast in general, we're seeing massive spikes. And these people are coming from somewhere. That's the thing. They're not unemployed. They're not people that are losing their jobs that are just magically homeless. They are coming from fucking somewhere. It's the new Oregon Trail. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it is. But they're not dying from drowning in a river or their ox cart tipping over on them like, like, you know, usually happens. They're making it here. So have you seen an increase in your homeless populations on the East Coast where you're at? 
Well, m- maybe that has something to do with the mayor of Pittsburgh sponsoring homeless people buying plane tickets to California. That could I be- mean, look, I shit Wait, you is not. that a real thing? <laughs> These things are, no, there are cities that have bust homeless populations look- out to Los Angeles County. They, they, this, this has happened. Cities within California or cities outside? Like, I remember vaguely a rumor about New, well, that was New York shipping homeless to New Jersey, not across like the entire country. That seems like a lot of effort. Well, it may not be that, so, that, that far, but there are, so I'm looking at the Guardian right now, bust out how American, how America moves its homeless. Each year, U.S. cities get thousands of homeless people one-way bus tickets out of town. An 18-month nationwide investigation reveals what happens. So let's say, for example, there's people, let's say, well, this is going to be, this is real time. This is a really like broken out map, but homeless bus relocation journeys to destinations in the United States this is in 2017 by the Guardian's investigation was 21,400. So think about that. This is a few years ago. These are people that have been relocated by state governments, given bus tickets, one-way tickets to go somewhere else. They just don't get the fuck out. And you know, now knowing that, you know, again, to harken back to what Mark was saying earlier and why, you know, where these things and why they're, why it's happening. They're coming to places that are, welcoming that have support systems that have housing that have free food that have a, a mandate in place where you're not going to kick them out so that's where i say like the people that are just homeless that are happy to be homeless or are not that mentally impaired they may say yeah i'll take that bus ticket i'll go out west I'll, i'm happy to mm-hmm. go there which is why like i mean the population increase in homeless here is unprecedented compared to other cities so to, to go back to the main question have you seen an increase or a decrease me? Well, I guess Odie answered. I I haven't. It's the same steady same, le- same steady level of homeless. Yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any change at all. Um, I mean, there's not. There's not a lot of homeless people in Pittsburgh. I mean, there there are. I don't know. It's 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 consistent. I would say. I don't, there have, there hasn't been stories or reports about a spike. Okay, because so you guys then compared to where we're at are, are fairly lucky. But I, I had a question to pose to you, like a theoretical question. Let's just say, because uh, just for shits, um, let's just say these people wanted to go, and it was without coercion. The state asked them if they wanted to go someplace warmer. Let's say, for example, you're a homeless dude in Minneapolis, and the state yep. was like, you know what? It's fucking freezing as fuck here. Here's a ticket. Go down to SoCal. At the very least, if you don't want to get a home, at least you don't have to freeze your nuts off. Is mm-hmm. there something inherently wrong with that? Well, it's inherently wrong is the state sponsoring it. Yeah. <laughs> the relocation of their homeless <laughs> yeah. people. Well, the state well, sponsoring it? it is inherently wrong. Well, yeah. let's just say, let's just say, but, let's just say, let's just remove the, you know, the appropriation of funds to give, to buy these bus tickets. Okay, so you're saying it's a voluntary yeah. organization called Organizing, uh, Midi- yeah. Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis let's say it was a nonprofit. Thing. Yeah, a nonprofit that gathered money together from the, from the neighborhood to buy bus tickets for their homeless and move them to SoCal. Is there something inherently wrong with that? Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. No, where it becomes, but wrong, it would bother you. No, no, no. Where it becomes wrong is because <laughs> we just talked about the amount of funding and the amount of infrastructure. So I think Los Angeles has something, something insane allocated to fighting the homeless, like 300 plus million dollars a year. It gets bigger every year. They're trying to build homes now that are approximated as over $500,000 per unit to build. So the, the way it affects us locally, though, is that our taxes are going for our property taxes. Everything else is going towards supporting this problem, but the problem keeps getting worse. 
Well, and so, the more that we quote unquote support it, the more it's going to become an attractive place to be homeless. Yes, <laughs> so the exactly. more you build these homeless apartments mm. and homeless hotels or whatever you want to call them, the more people are going to say, hey, we should head over to LA. Right. We've got the they literally hotels. are putting up a sign that says free housing for homeless, you know? <laughs> and and the more your property value goes down, your property value taxes continue to go, continue to go up and that yep. pinch just bites yeah, you. Though we we need to, it's, it's funny, like you, you mentioned that, but we need to go back to the crux here because it's really, we have to talk like a chicken or egg thing. I don't think it was LA's policies that made the homeless come here. It was a reactive thing. Think about like the the area, regardless, even if they had nothing, LA would be a, a, um, a very good place for a homeless person to be. They would naturally flock there because of the warm weather, because of the density. Homeless people are going to be in cities. They're not going to scatter well, into the country. There's not density here. There's, in fact, anti-density. No, there's relative right. density. The I mean, worst, relative worst density. Place in LA I mean, is, is Skid Row, which is just a, a bubonic plague-ridden shithole. Um, so I, and, and also, we always had homeless. We always had homeless. But it just, it's gotten exponentially worse, though, in the past 10 years. And especially in the last two years, since they stopped enforcing, kicking people off of city streets, enforcing uh, breaking up encampments, it's gotten infinitely worse and infinitely more people have come in. So that's where that argument doesn't make sense. Because if, if it was just always interesting to them and, and public policy had nothing to do with it, they wouldn't be coming here in mass. We wouldn't see this mass explosion in homos. Well, I'm not saying that public policy doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm saying if there was, if all things considered equal, that's what I mean. Let's just say everywhere had the same policies, that you would still have more homeless. That's what I mean. Well, probably because they'd stay alive more. Yeah, because it would be, if, if, <laughs> yeah, you're, if, you're, planning, <laughs> if you're planning on living a homeless lifestyle, living in a place with a lot of people gives you more opportunity to panhandle, to like basically scrounge a living than if you're in Montana and like everyone's like 10 miles apart. So if you're not, if you're going to live that lifestyle, you're almost certainly going to want to live in a city and you're going to want to live in a city where it, it doesn't drop into the freezing temperatures for like half of the year. Well, agreed. So, agreed. So that goes back to the thing in it. I guess this really like kind of leads into the solutions is breaking up camps. The way to go is, you know, running these ordinances, do these people not have a right if this land is not being occupied by anyone just to sleep there if they want to? Who do, how do we make these decisions? Like, I guess that kind of leads into the solution because like th the reason I said that is like, if everyone had the same homeless laws, you would have more homeless people because yeah. inherently you would, be, you would, right? You would have, you would and Philly would have, Philly would have more homeless than state college for yeah. obvious reasons. All like, that's what I mean. So what do we do about it? Well, that's well. Again, we're getting I, I, we're getting a little ahead of it, but because uh, we're, we're going to get into the question of do you break up the camps? Um, I want to go back real quick to just break it down. So we've got the you know, the people that want to come here, the people that are shipped here. I want to talk a little bit about the mentally ill people and the people that have disabilities, right? Because this is a, a fact that happened at least in Los Angeles. I'm sure in other cities as well. You've got people that are mentally ill that are going to hospitals. They are either uh, again physically ill, uh, drug addicted or schizophrenic or whatever else. They're in hospitals. They're checked in for treatment. The hospital goes, this person has no money. Uh, we don't want them sitting here taking up a bed. So they drive them to Skid Row and dump them. And there's been lawsuits about this. has been well documented. What is the solution to that, right? If you're a private company, 
you shouldn't be forced to take care of this person indefinitely knowing that you're not going to get paid back, should you? And then what do you do with them afterwards? Are you responsible for finding them care that is going to take on that responsibility and that financial onus? Or should you be able to simply go out and dump them knowing that it's going to infringe on people's private well, property where, rights. Where are they coming from in the first place? Probably most of them are coming from Skid Row they in the are. first place. They are, but. for sure. They are. Some of them are going to be people's families that dump them, though. Let's, let's, without a doubt, they come from somewhere. At some point, not all these people were derelict from the get-go. Some of them had jobs. Some of them had families, mm-hmm. some of everything. So they were, they were definitely put either in this position for a reason or they, uh, through, through certain are, circumstances. Are we talking about any solution, solutions now? We could say now we're okay. Now let's get into I'm trying to well, I'm trying to keep it segmented because if we just start talking about random solutions all over the place, it's going to be a mess. So I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it targeted on specific. Well, don't worry, I'm going to give up all rules as I go through this, Jameson. I have the solution. I have it. Okay, the solution. U B I. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, First thing you would do is legalize all drugs. And uh, that way, at least people aren't, uh, you, get, you get certainty in the doses uh, that uh, homeless people are taking. You open up some clinics around that, uh, like they've done in Switzerland, where you're able to, people can come in, get a safe dose there. In Switzerland, they have something like a 90% success rate where people end up getting off of, uh, I think heroin is what most, most, uh, mostly mm-hmm. what they're doing there, but they could do it for other drugs too. Um, so that'd be a small, a small help. Um, well, it could be a bigger help than you think, too, because you think about the social stigma that comes along. Like, let's say these people are going down the drug addiction highway. If you could get in there, help these people early rather than ignoring them, rather than uh, pushing them in the sideways, keeping them in the dark, they may get that help earlier. Or they may be able to, to get back on their feet and find a job, someone that will help them out. And that's where I'll, I'll come to my solution down the road, which is employers. But no, to your point, decriminalizing and legalizing drugs, I think, would definitely have a, a far better impact than the current system. But what do we do then about the people that are mentally ill or that are handicapped that, I mean, does it come back to the argument of these people's families are at the end of the day responsible for them or do we rely on public charities or private charities to take care of them? I mean, where, where does hospital responsibility lie? Because you've literally got like million dollar lawsuits against hospitals for dumping people in Skid Row just in Los Angeles alone. Hey guys, as usual, I want to take this opportunity to tell you about Good Morning Liberté. And it's a perfect time actually with the theme of this episode. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, Good Morning Liberty, hosted by Nate and Charlie, which is an every day of the week show. They really try to go out of their way to focus on compassionate liberty, let's call it finding solutions, finding the ways libertarians can show that they care, but also embrace a free market system, which is literally what we're talking about on this show too. We're talking about how to solve homelessness, right? Nate and Charlie come from a healthcare background. They're doing an everyday podcast, looking at the ways in which our libertarianism interacts with the real world and how we can turn that and make people understand that what they've been doing is wrong. Now, granted, I do that too. And I'm fucking hilarious, but these guys are actually pretty funny. I've been on their show. They've got a great sense of humor. You got to check them out. Go to any podcasting app and type in Good Morning Liberty or go to lol.gmlpodcast.com. Again, Good Morning Liberty. 
Say good morning to Liberty. I have no idea if that's their actual catchphrase, but there's a freebie. So is there a part of that solution? You know, you guys live in Los Angeles. I mean, I don't know how close you are to that area. Is it, is it the same county? I'm as far I'm as far from right that fucking area as I can. Right <laughs> as far away as I can move. <laughs> can, can you smell it? No. Right um, in the dude, belly. Well, I can tell you, I accidentally drove into and walked into it a couple times. And oh no, man, it's it's literally like demolition, man. Like you you don't even Denver know. itself is insane. You drive through like I, I ended up um it's pretty close to Chinatown. And one day I ended up parking like by mm-hmm. you know, to go to Chinatown. I kind of ended up like more in Skid Row than I realized I was. And I was walking through it one night. I, I say I feel fear, but it was more fear out of my own probably biases. Like no one did anything to me. I just I just realized I was in like a bad area. Like it was yeah. all a homeless encampment. I was like, oh shit, where did I find myself? I actually had no actual problem at all. People were actually very nice, to be honest. But. Well, I, I didn't inter- I didn't interact on foot with anybody, but just going driving about like remember seven grand. It was a bar downtown LA. Yeah, yeah, that's right by Skid Row. You go one block too far trying to find parking and you look around and you go, Oh shit, <laughs> all the streetlights are out. And really there are, there it. are tents, tents lined up back to back to back trash laying up people running through the streets. Like it's literally like you've it's, gone uh, into a different world. It's a favela. Like Los Angeles has a yes. favela. Essentially. Yes, it is like a favela. So, yeah. <laughs> so, can I be the one who admits he's dumb and doesn't know what the hell that is? That's like the it Brazilian. Is, I have no idea what that is. Is that the Brazilian? Yeah, the, I was going to get you off the hook, Odie. You're going to be. You're going to be able to not admit it. But okay. the the Brazilian shanty towns that they build yeah. out oh, of okay. like oh, yeah, cheap construction material outside yeah. the, in the outskirts of their major cities. Legit, man. It, it's what, like that it bad. And they the the police do nothing there. They just let it. It is its own town. It is policed by the the crackheads. It's anarchy in action. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's <laughs> one of, solution. Is you have. I mean, you already have it in LA. Is Skid Row. Maybe you move it to an area where it's not in the middle of stuff, and then that's just maybe that's you legalize. That's not a you, that's not a good no, solution. Hold on, I, I think I think Odie's saying it in a bad way, but in a probably. Way, I think, what terrible, I think you mean. Well, the way you said the way you said it sounds horrible. What I think you mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, is perhaps sort of legalize quote unquote homelessness in the sense of legalized shanty towns, legalize that kind of thing yes, yes, in certain yes, areas. Yes. Be like, here, here's a place you can go that we're not going to, we're promised. Right? Like, z- zero we're zoning, zero that zoning in this area. Yeah. That is essentially, essentially the Brazilian model. Yeah, yeah. That, that is what they have done, Odie. The problem is, though, as things have gotten progressively worse there in Skid Row, you've got, uh, and literally the bubonic plague has made a comeback in Skid Row. You have so much human feces, so much rats, so the, the sanitation isn't up to date. You have, JD, JB is loving this for some reason. He's, he's Doctor Science loves the boob, he loves the boob plague. But <laughs> no, I'm not even hilarious. joking. I'm not even joking. It's actually it's, it's actually factual. Well, maybe you would have some, uh, you know, passes. So maybe. you've got this. You've got them. Society is completely falling apart. And the thing is, though, when you have this sanitation, it's become like a medieval town, and the feces, the food waste, the uh, just the overlapping conditions have led to horrible diseases. But the problem is then the public is still on on the hook for those diseases unless they die in the street. God forbid they make it to a hospital and it's a circular system of, OK, we now we treat this person. They can't pay the, the taxpayers on the hook for it. Uh, now they release them back into the street again. But what are they supposed to do with them? Because you, you have to find a shelter. But think about the amount of cost that adds on to a hospital. Now they have to hire an entire staff just for homeless, re, you know, uh, shelter services to find these people and place these people where we have a huge problem. There's not enough shelters as is. Well, don't the people of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, have an incentive to uh, 
you know, not have the bubonic plague and to have standardized plumbing in that area. So, I mean, I'm not saying by force that you confiscate wealth from people, but you would think that property owners, business owners, whatever, some of the major companies in the area probably would be incentivized by, I don't know, maybe helping out with the plumbing, you know, maybe making things a little bit better. So it's not a a, fee, uh-huh. a, a breed, breeding ground for the, the plague. Well, aha, here's where, so let me bring this, this uh, piece of the puzzle into play. Uh, one of the biggest problems with any city that has a homeless population issue or a housing issue is, of course, always regulations. Now, it's interesting. Family members of mine have have come up with a creative model that houses homeless people that were formerly homeless, formerly drug addicts. They don't allow them to do any drugs. They allow them to come in and stay there. And it's in like a model where they share like three people to a room. They have a communal kitchen. Mm-hmm. They can kick them out whenever they want, though, which is unusual. The way they've done this is that they're not entering a shelter. Now, they're a nonprofit, but it's not a shelter. It is a club. You're a member of a club. You're allowed to sleep mm-hmm. there. And thus, that was the biggest thing. And my, my father-in-law runs He's a very clever guy. So they're doing this, this uh, thing that's housing these people. They're recovering. They're doing well, but they can kick them out at any time. You don't have that with a lot of government institutions. But also, from a regulatory environment, it makes it very difficult. If you want to come in and say, okay, look, this rundown building, I'm going to turn it into a, a, a shelter. I'm going, to house, I'm going to house these people. I'm going to let them come in. I'm giving them cheap roof and board. The problem is they have so many fucking idiotic, uh, lefty, let's protect the, the less fortunate bills on the books that make it almost impossible to get rid of these people unless you make it a private club. If you are a tenant relationship, you can't get rid of them for months. They can just go in there and squat, do drugs, do whatever they want, abuse the rules. Doesn't matter. They'll squat, fuck it all up. So nobody wants to take that risk because the regulations are in place that stop you from getting rid of them. It's and that's just like in general. Like it's funny you mentioned that. I I saw this firsthand. My uncle back on Long Island rented his basement that was furnished like an apartment out to someone. He didn't pay rent for like four months. Yeah, and, and it was like impossible. Like the sheriff came a couple of times. You just cannot like even for straight up not paying your rent. Yep, it's almost impossible to get someone out of a place once yeah. they're in there. It's yeah. amazing. I had no idea how difficult it was. Hear me, I was doing like worrying about paying my way all this time and little did i know it didn't actually fucking matter idiot idiot <laughs> california no. has some of the strongest uh strongest quote unquote in favor of renters laws that there is i mean it's really hard to evict someone in, in california yeah it's so strong that you could just not pay and you're you're Among good that. you're Among good yeah. <laughs> my boss had a rental house and he he rented to this guy it was like a family moved in as soon as they were in there didn't pay him a dime couldn't get him out three months Three months. He has to pay mortgage on a house. Three months. They didn't give him a dime. Finally could kick him out. And of course, by the time they're out, they fucked it all up. It's just, it's insane the protections they put in under the guise of protecting the less fortunate. But of course, it makes it so much worse on people that are less fortunate because nobody wants to rent to them. Everybody's typing. Cool. So <laughs> anyway, that's that's one, one thing to take in, into to account with that type of thing. So the solution there would be to get rid of these bills that in theory, protect renters and give landlords the power to kick people out to raise rents or lower rents as they need to be able to make proper uh, proper fixes to the apartments and, and really to run a bare bones operation without being called slumlords because these people just need somewhere to go. Yeah, I mean, on, on the economic side of things, the, the solution is to simply, which is really an unfeasible solution in California politically, 
end all all laws related to protecting renters. And thought you were going to say end the Fed. Oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there should be regular laws that protect against fraud and contracts on both sides. I mean, both renter and uh, rentee should be protected to an extent, um, in the sense of just you know upholding whatever contract they agree to. But this extra support for renters, and we maybe we all benefit it from it in small ways sometimes, but it really does destroy the economy uh, for, for the rental market and destroy. I mean, there's there's no reason to become a uh, someone who invests in real estate for rental purposes in California if you could do it so, so much easily somewhere else. And now with, with, how, with technology, if you're a real estate investor, you can invest in any state in the country from your office. So why would you do it in California? So there's so yeah. much less incentive to invest in California, invest in the big cities, that there's just naturally going to be greater housing than combine that with the zoning regulations. So the, the libertarian solution from the political side is to slash all that stuff. And yep. it's not going to happen here, but that is the solution. Um, part of the, But that's, not, that's only part of the solution. And the other side of what we're talking about is how do you help the people that are in distress right now? And again, from that side of things, the only answer that we can ever support really is an answer that has to come from voluntary services, from people being mm-hmm. allowed to voluntarily help each other. I mean, there was uh, this thing, Adam Kokesh, I believe, was involved in this a couple of years ago, setting up um, tiny houses for the homeless mm-hmm. uh, in areas where they already were, where they're already being allowed to stay there and just setting up tiny tiny houses for them so they at least had a better sense of shelter and some maybe some minor plumbing or something. I don't even know the I'm not a plumbing expert. Maybe they didn't have plumbing. But they at least had a minor you know shelter of some kind uh, that would be more sanitary than staying on the street and Los Angeles came and shut them down and took down the houses. So, I mean, and yeah, things like, of course I mean, they did. They leave up the fucking tent cities, uh, yeah. but they tear down the houses. Yeah. So, I mean, voluntary efforts need to just be allowed to whatever extent they are, they happen. And I think the more that we allow them and the more that we loosen the laws that really create homelessness in the first place, the more you will see voluntary efforts to help people. There's no solution mm-hmm. that, that any libertarian can honestly give or anybody that, that says this is going to be solved overnight. Or I can all. tell you one. I can tell you one good idea that I think I have. And honestly, it was inspired. Well, it was two-part inspired. I've always been arguing for apprenticeship to come back. We obviously, killing the minimum wage would vastly help homelessness. Vastly help it. Because that way, these people can actually get some sort of uh, income. They can uh, take a shower, go out from a shelter, go work a minimum wage job where they're given a uniform. Right, McDonald's gives you a goddamn uniform to wear, so it's not like they have to bring their homeless rags in to wear at work. Uh, but you get them minimum wage; they can work for that up. They can they can get up the pipeline that way, right? Get a little savings up, or create but, a special. Now, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Go but yeah, but but let me know. So now here's the other thing, though, is like I talk about apprenticeship being a lost concept because you have to pay people all the time. Now, we were talking about before we got into this proper on Netflix, a show we're all watching, or maybe not JB, but Tiger King, right? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who hasn't seen Tiger King? I watched I like a half. Watch it tonight. Now it's awesome. You, you got to watch, watch it. half an episode of that. Oh my god! It's, oh, it sucked me in right away. I was like, I was locked in at Tiger King. Okay, so Tiger King. Let me break this down. It real didn't quick. really inspire me to be honest. Everyone's oh, flipping out. I think because I saw so many people loving it that I was expecting the greatest show I've ever seen. And I was like, this is fine. Oh, I'm, I'm with the, you there, Mark. I also am of the, if somebody tells me to watch something, I'm like, fuck. By the time I got to it, I spent two days hearing people tell me I need to watch it, and I'm like, this I is know. good. But All right, I'm, well, that's guys, why I don't watch anything on TV because everyone's like, it's the greatest. I agree. I also am of that, of that mindset. Okay, so guys, don't watch Tiger King. Wink. <laughs> so anyway, I'm watching Tiger King, and there's this guy Joe Exotic, this insane mother fucker but he would pay people and this is in florida so i don't know what exactly the minimum wage was he was probably all under the table in this yeah, this was but, Oklahoma, joe exotics in oklahoma oh is it oh okay. yeah. i thought it was okay carol's in florida he feels I, I like wanna, he should be from florida but. he does <laughs> like yeah, he's the most florida guy ever 
Florida man. So, okay, Oklahoma. So, where Davey Martinez is, the man who inspired the show. <laughs> Davey, go to go, go to see if the joke's on. Probably Galaxy. different parts of Oklahoma, but still. Probably. So, anyway, whatever, Oklahoma. It's probably under the table. But this guy had this zoo, right? Crazy Tiger Zoo. But he really would employ people in the show. It's this cast of characters. They're all either former drug addicts, current drug addicts, just people like that have been thrown to the sides of society. Guys got no legs, guys that got no teeth. They're working here. They're loyal as shit to them because they are the people that could not find work that have been thrown aside by society. And you go, oh, come work for me. I'll a lot give of you a felons. felons? A, lot, a lot of felons. Yeah, good point, Odie. A lot of felons. And you go, I'll give you a trailer. I'm going to pay you 150 bucks a week, which sounds like nothing. But you've got food. He gave him food. He gave him board. He gave him 150 bucks a week. He has a, they have a job. They have a purpose now. Now, you can't do that almost anywhere. But if we bring that model where you can now, if you're a business, right? If you're a fucking McDonald's employing hundreds of workers all the time, and you can say, we can have a building, right? I'm going to buy up this shitty old building. I'm going to put in very basic apartment units. I'm going to pay you, um, like, you know, whatever, two bucks an hour to even out my cost of maintaining this building. But you can take home at the end of the day. You can have two, two burgers at lunch. You can have two burgers at dinner, whatever it might be. You come, you're basically apprenticing, but you are living. You're working, you're living, you're, living, you're, you're being taken care of. That alone would take care of 50 fucking percent of the homeless population. I guarantee it right there. Those just, who want, that are capable and can work would take that opportunity. Just picture a random business, like maybe just a store that's just opening up. that doesn't have that, maybe doesn't, you know, doesn't have a lot of cash on hand and can't, uh, especially due to the minimum wage laws here, they can't afford to hire a person at $15 an hour to just help clean up, just help right. sweep some things up. But if they were allowed to, they might take a chance on a guy who says, look, I don't have a home. I can't give you an address. I don't have an address or a paperwork. I'm, I'm not a citizen in so many ways. I can't even afford nice clothes, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to come in here for three bucks an hour and sweep your place up and I'll work my ass off and I'll, and do I'll sleep in your stock room. Yeah. And I'll sleep in the back if you let me. And if, if deals like that were allowed, just exactly what you're saying, I mean, then a lot of these problems would not be as bad. People would at least be able to earn enough to get a little something to eat. They'd be able to make arrangements where they could help a business out that could never afford them otherwise with the current laws. I mean, you'd have a lot more voluntary actions being created. So I guess- And you work up within that foundation. Like even on the show, that's you know, like the people that they'd, he'd hire them on, the people that were good, they would make more money. He'd raise sure, exactly. them up. He'd pay them more. Like yeah. that's the way the and, fucking thing should And work. that guy cleaning up for three bucks for an hour might be stocking shelves for five bucks an hour and might be managing the store for 20 bucks an hour if, in a year. I mean, if, yeah. if, if you know, if, if it's someone who really works hard and and I granted this doesn't take account for the people that are just mentally ill and and, and aren't never right. going to do something like this so that is sort of a separate well, part of the like problem you said, if, well, I say well, this well, is that's, 50%. that's another part we can yeah. get to that there but I, like the thing like the what you were describing it makes makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense to me and I've I think I'd mentioned this to to John. Oh, really? You say this out here in LA, they'll tell you you're you're heartless. I'm like, I that's what I was. No, that's what I'm fucking hard here. But uh, well, that yeah. well, that's what I'm getting to. I was say I was telling this to John when we met up at the the PA convention, Libertarian convention. Is uh, when I say this to people, my coworkers who are mostly liberal, um, or I would say that to most of the people in my my circle who are, they would say that people like what I'm describing, what you're describing, is a time that shouldn't exist anymore. You're talking about like the tens, twenties, where yeah. people were like just take whatever was on offer and work their way up to learn they a just trade. Honestly, yeah, and they, get housing just, though and food. They just honestly don't believe that should exist anymore. It, the what like kind of picked me up is like 
like I'll just like sleep in the back of the stockroom or something like that. That's like a storybook type of thing to us now, as yeah. opposed to something that was a reality for most of you know human civilization. Exactly. That this is this is where you would like get your start. You wouldn't you wouldn't get out of the gate. At least the vast majority of people who you know weren't well connected didn't get out of the gate doing whatever they wanted at whatever price they they set mentally. Like mm-hmm. people work their way from nothing, which is. Something that people, I think, fundamentally, like particularly liberals, deep down, don't doesn't don't believe should exist anymore. Well, it's crazy that liberals they want to go. They say everyone should go to college, right? Everybody should go into fucking debt to get a degree that they don't even know what they want to do. They don't know if they need it. They don't know how to apply it. Then they get out of college and they can't use it. Back in the day, I mean, I'm going way back. But look at blacksmithing, right? You go into blacksmithing, you learn the trade, you fucking live with the guy for five years, you work for him, you come out, you're like, I'm a master blacksmith now. I'm in no debt. I don't know anybody, anything. Maybe now I go open up my own shop. I go what, do whatever. But you learned a trade. You're not in debt for it. And now you're better off. But and, and in this instance, we're talking about people who literally have nothing that would give, their, half of them would give the left arm for a chance and they can't, they don't know where to start. And this is a very easy start. If we simply allow big corporations who could afford to fucking do it to be like, here we go. This is our, this is McDonald's mansion. It's uh 400 units and you people come down, you know, work a shift, you go back home. If you go do drugs or whatever, and you're a private company, if they do drugs, you're fucking out. If you get caught breaking the rules, you're fucking out. It's get rid it's of so those ironic. regulations. So, so ironic. You said they'll give their left arm because one chick. Uh, don't, hey, 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 God damn it. Odie, don't spoil it. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. Uh, Tiger King. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. But but it's seriously, though, that is, I think, takes care of half of the issue is you bring back the concept of an apprenticeship. You bring back the concept of you don't just get into debt and then come out expecting people to kiss your ass and give you a big fucking wage for something that you. What? Well, I was just going to no, you could go. I was just going to say it does exist to a certain extent, depending on what you do. I consider how I was trained in apprenticeship. Well, I mean, too. But yeah, I went I went to graduate school, quote unquote school, but it was very much not school. I did coursework for roughly two years. And then I basically was in the lab of a professor, a tenured professor at the university. And she and my committee of other scientists taught me how to be a scientist outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. I was there for five years. I did coursework for two years, maybe six classes in five years. Everything was just hands-on, doing research, reporting back to these people who've been doing it for 30 years, telling me how I fucked up and how to do it better did that for five years, and now I'm a PhD. That's almost like, that's what I told people like when I was like a senior grad and with the incoming, I was like, this is basically like being in a silver silversmith shop. You're an <laughs> apprentice, you stay here for a few years, we'll teach you how to do science, and right. when you get out, you can call yourself a scientist. Well, that's so- the way it is with most industries. I mean, look, I, that was with, with my industry too, man. I was making 26 grand a year in LA, which is I can't even tell you how little amount of money it's that is. It's almost homeless. I made like it's 28 almost, when I first but, moved out. Yeah, but Mark knows. It's almost, granted, the, the, it was a lot cheaper to live here you know, 15 years ago. But It was, it was actually a lot cheaper to live here. But, but you still, still not cheap, put your but time. relatively. But still, talk about the homeless. But I also was paying my own rent, buying my own food, and buying you know, all this shit. If, you, if, you, if I came out here and they're like, look, we're going to teach you how to do PR, a horrible career that I regret getting into, obviously, at this point in time. Uh, if they said that we're going to feed you, you live with your boss in a fucking... Eight eight by eight room, and we feed you, and you learn the biz, and you do it for three years. But you come out, and you have no debt, and you're gonna get a. And now you fucking know everything about PR. I'd be like, all right, 
Sounds good, man. Let's do it. Let's do this shit. I mean, you have people out here that sounds like a business user start. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Well, I I I do have an eight by eight room, twelve by twelve. Yeah, Yeah. have a couch there too. I mean, you look at go find your local homeless guy that needs to watch something about in the the entertainment industry right now. They have apprenticeships, you know, and internships that are impossible to get, and uh, they don't pay you anything. You're paying out your ass for rent and food and everything else to live in Los Angeles. And at the end of the day, you probably get a lucrative job. You have to be very connected to get that job. You don't have to be very connected to get a job at fucking Walmart if Walmart will say, hey, come live in our Walmart condominiums back here and uh, we're going to take care of you until you get on your feet. You can save your money because you have no other expenditures unless you have a drug addiction, in which case that's on you, bro. Well, it's, I, have a, I have a theoretical for you. I, I had mentioned something similar, like pretty much exactly in the v- same vein that you did to someone. And they, and they countered something to, to me that I couldn't really, um, I don't know, handle eloquently. Maybe in this open forum for our listeners, we can tackle it. Hmm. So I said something like that similar with internships. And, and they mentioned that if internships are not paid or very lowly paid, particularly in places where the cost of living is high, like in finance in New York or in movies in LA, that you're basically just ensuring that all these internships go to the children of wealthy people who can be supported by their parents versus people who are truly talented that maybe not come from uh, privileged backgrounds where they can basically get paid nothing in one of the most expensive cities in in the country and and get ahead. And I was like, um, like in my head, it was like, well, I, that's, well, just how it's gonna be. That's, I guess. Well, I, no, JB, you're I, right. I was just wondering if there was anything no. better I could. No, say. JB, doesn't no, that no. happen? Doesn't that happen regardless, though? Yes. Well, that, I mean, well, that, that like almost any anything. job you have to yeah, be that connected happens in to anything. I mean, but in no, particular, if you can afford not to be paid a living wage for something that will lead into a high price job, does that not price out people who can't? And I was like, well, I guess. Look, right. unless unless there's a trading places type of uh, fucking deal where people find Eddie Murphy on the street and swap him with Dan Aykroyd to give him a high price job in finance. No, this shit doesn't happen. You always have to be connected. That's the way of the world. If you're going to yeah, have- It just speaks to more reasons to give all businesses as much flexibility as possible when hiring people in any way, including building a dorm instead of paying them, yeah. if, if they agree to that. Maybe you disagree to a place to live and you can get another job on the side for, for food and spending money. Well, I mean, well look, Giving people the times- flexibility to make these arrangements and you'll see more and more Great. That accessible things, even for people that aren't super wealthy. And well, look, guys, it. how many fucking... Ter- now, maybe these stories are, are false, but how many stories have you heard where people literally go, well, you know, I got a job flipping burgers and I worked my way up and now I'm the CEO. Or I started in the mailroom. That's my favorite one. I started, yeah. I started, actually, that is... There's That's a, a real one. My dad's, one of my dad's uh, best friends is like a vice president of Pepsi. And he literally started in the mailroom oh. and just started asking questions like, what can I learn about this? And moved up, moved up and became like a, one of the top. Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole entertainment industry book about starting the mailroom. But the problem is later on in life, uh, later on as these things evolved, everybody realized that starting the mailroom was where to go. You had to be very connected to get in the mail. You even get to the mailroom, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it became the blowjobs. Yeah, which I was not. I mean, I'll tell you someday about the time I got fucked out of being an agent. But, uh, Anyway, and it's a funny story. I'll tell it on DJ, maybe. So got a full plate for DJ, my friends. Join that Patreon now. Yeah, god damn it. Anyway, so getting back to it, no, there's no there's always going to be nepotism in the world. There's always going to be the best jobs. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to get the best jobs if you're a nobody unless you are exceptionally gifted. And those people can find a way, but give them a start. And these companies, who knows, whatever the companies might be. And also look at it this way: if you have companies that are enabled to do this, 
maybe more of them will take a chance because they don't have as much to lose. They can take a chance. Be like, all right, let's just see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this guy in. I'm going to put him in the dorm. I'm going to see if he can get his shit together. He seems like a smart guy that's gotten a, a hard time. Let's see what he can do or she can do and let them work their way up. I guarantee you're going to find more talent that way than by churning and burning a bunch of fucking losers who are just going to whine and, and, and move along all the time. You're going to have people that are inspired to get their lives back on track more than the average everyday person because they've gone through the shit and they do not want to go back to the shit. Boom. Go, so fucking amazing. Don't go back don't to the shit. shit. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think this show is, is, is really timely right now. Um, especially with what's going on with, uh, you know, coronavirus and, Oh wait, I forgot to ask, uh, Brian. Could you, what was that name of that drug that Trump mentioned that, that people can use for coronavirus? Fluoroclobalbean. Ah, yeah, that was it. Hydrochloroquine. 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 That's an inside joke from the call, which you can access <laughs> for our Mufasa call, which you can access if you join for twenty five dollars a month, knowing that ten percent of that will go to help donors see. Yeah. All right. So that's wait, I got. I, I really have to pee because we've done back to back calls. Uh, yeah. You guys, I want you to start on. Let's talk a little bit about okay. So we I so we do Start all on it's time to wrap this thing up, man. No, we gotta we have to still address the mental health side of things. Yeah, oh, we, we, we didn't address the break up the camps issue because that what we've discussed. Aaron, let uh, me sum it up. They'll be fine. Okay, gotta go. Well, <laughs> we've discussed um, services, the portion that can actually do something with themselves oh, sure, and yeah. so want something break better or, or have the capabilities of wanting something better. And I still think the majority of homeless probably couldn't take that option. Yeah, I was too. I was too uh, distracted by Brian leaving and Odie being confused about Brian leaving. <laughs> <laughs> JB, keep going. Yeah. Keep going with Brian that. Brian abandoned his own show to pee while we. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of research that I've read about people who are transiently homeless, who fall on rough times. Maybe they were in foster care. Maybe they don't have a strong family structure, so they have no place to fall back on. So the things I noticed, even if everything blew up in my face right now, I've got like at least half a dozen places where I can crash for like six months or even a year just to get myself back on my feet. So you have to you be honestly probably have more than that. If you like yeah. really like, yeah, yeah. I, think like we all, if, I think we all do. Yeah. We're very yeah, lucky. So you have to think that some, these people have to be in very unique circumstances and that they've just have some of these um, places, like some of these free market ideas we're talking about restricting the regulations, allowing places, allowing people to be um, hired under minimum wage and opening up regulations in terms of housing. So they just have a place temporarily just to get back on their feet as opposed to maybe their car or the fucking underpass. That would help that proportion of people. But I don't think they're the majority of people who are homeless. The majority of people are homeless. And I say majority, I'm saying at least 51% are either too mentally ill to really, even if given that position, find a job and keep that job to you think be it's able that to, high. You think it's that you don't think it's that high? I don't know. I really don't I, know. I think I, and I'm saying I don't know this. Maybe I can dig into it because we always do research after the fact. But this is all from personal anecdotal <laughs> Our like, episodes interactions. Are shows where we discover what we need to later do research about. That's, um, that's um, the vast majority of people, homeless people that I interact with and have interacted with in my life are clearly mentally ill or so drug addicted that there's no way they could hold down a job even to pay something meager. They're not going to even want to. They don't. Maybe the drug. 
maybe the drug addicted half of that portion of that, I don't know if it's half, but is, is it what could at least be addressed by libertarian solutions of just ending the war on drugs and making it easier for people to get help without yeah, fear? And of, I really like that. And I'm glad John mentioned that because it's not yeah. something I never really thought about when talking about this issue. But I think it would do a lot of good, way more good than I like considering I never thought about it. Like you could imagine just getting that out of the shadows because that would really like bring down that. But also think about the treatment aspects of like methadone clinics or something like that that can just help you maintain. So you, even if you're on heroin, if you're a methadone clinic, you can still maintain enough to get a job. Like that stuff could keep you even and wean you off it where you can go out, function, get a job, get a, get an apartment. And and you're not just out on the streets and, and crazed. No. I agree. So, so I, so where was I? So Mark doesn't agree that it's more than 51%. No, I don't not agree. I, I just, I honestly don't, I'm not, I'm being completely serious. I, I don't, I, like, I really I don't, don't know. know. I don't have any hard numbers from, this is all just from anecdotal evidence. I'll be honest. I feel that, that it's, it's at least more than 51% or fall into the camp that. when you lump in drug addiction with mental illness, you're probably right. I, I, yeah. In my mind, I had been separating them as truly. I don't know, but, but here's the thing that doesn't make sense about arguing that. Uh, and again, I'll just go Los Angeles, not, not locally where you guys are at, because if, if it was drug addiction and mental illness that were simply driving this explosion in homeless, it doesn't make sense to people that are super drug addicted or insane. Insane people are not thriving and driving to Los Angeles. They're not like, everybody get in the crazy van. We're driving out to Los Angeles. That's not happening. So clearly, a lot of the people here are not drug addicts or they're not insane. They may be drug addicts. Because they know that they can come here, they can be supported. They well, can it, be like. Let's not use the term in like. Let's not use the term insane. That's very severe. There's a lot of people who have a lot of like, uh, like, the, for lack of a better term, mental deficiencies. Where just like even holding a job at like, in and out is beyond them. True, you know, but they yeah. but they also maybe need in need of medication. Even again, schizophrenia I think is like the number one. Uh, thing among homeless people is schizophrenia. That's why you see so many homeless yelling and screaming. Like schizophrenia is a, a an undiagnosed or diagnosed, and they kick them out on the streets. As I said earlier, part of homelessness, and I think a lot of those people are schizophrenic. So, is there medicine that can take care of that? Can a nonprofit step in and take care of that, or an employer step in and say, "All right, I'm going to provide. I'm going to find a program. I'm going to find limited healthcare." Again, the healthcare industry open that up. So that we don't have to have mandated healthcare, a government or not a government, a uh, a private employer could say, "I'm providing you this type of healthcare, extreme healthcare. I'm going to provide you a support for this type of treatment for your schizophrenia." How many problems would that solve? Just getting those people on non-psychotics or I don't know what schizophrenia meds are, but getting them on those meds. I would, I, I think it would help greatly, but I'm thinking of myself, if I was a theoretical small business owner, I don't think it would be worth it for me. Not as a small business. To, yeah, no. to, to bother to do something like that. Not as a small business, but that's what I'm saying is like when we're, when we're looking at the, the size of this problem and the people that are most able to take advantage of it being large corporations that, have, that are paying minimum wage that can have the resources to buy buildings, outfit them, and have these people in there it makes more sense for big corporations to do that type of thing. I, I, yeah. If they could I, lower, I would agree. If they could lower and, the uh, minimum wage requirements. Well, I, well, then we have to get rid of the minimum wage. That's a, that's a yeah. foregone conclusion. Because I, the, now there's an ex- increased overhead about, you know, treating your employees, which no, is no. not 
there's something that most industries have to worry about. There is no minimum wage, you know, and like I would advocate for just completely eliminating it, but maybe the government in its infinite wisdom can make an apprentice uh, allocation where you can pay these people, you know, $10 a day mm-hmm. and they make $70 a week, but they have home, they have housing, they have healthcare to a limited extent. They have, access to uh, physicians for drugs. What about a uh, return of the apprentice apprentice TV show only with homeless people? I love it. I'm not should even joking. I see, should I see if, should we Why reach not? out to Donald Trump with this? Yes. I yes. actually, I shit you not. I I don't, I've never heard idea. anybody float this specific idea. Well, JB said he was talking to friends about it, but I think he's full of shit because I invented Dr. <laughs> Science. Let's not forget that. So uh, I never said I was talking about Dr. Science. No, no, no. I mean, I mean the concept of apprenticeship, but in the way I, the specific. I think way he was I'm using that as evidence for you being a liar as, as a general. Yeah. yeah. The specific way I'm talking about this, I've never heard anybody voice it before, and I didn't know what I was going to talk about in the show specifically until I was I literally watching the goddamn Tiger King, and I was like, "This is the fucking way, man!" Like the Mandalorian, this is the way. So, no one's talked about this being the the best solution, but we're talking about, it sounds like to me, this is the best solution if the government would get the fuck out of the way and allow corporations to provide these services to people, making them cost effective. I just, even for the mentally ill, it makes sense. Because yeah, you now I know what you're talking about. It's, it's definitely did, one of the solutions. I and I, I did, I did get some data on the percentage of mentally ill homeless. Um, it's from the internet, so it's true, but there, 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 this is an actual study that was done. I didn't read the study. I didn't have time, but Excellent. they're saying it's between 20 and 25% is uh, mentally ill. That's it. Population. I, well, drug, I, drug addiction is probably it, 50. One out of four? Either one out of five to one out of four. I don't know what the uh, the air is in the study. The Yeah, I'm going to say that's probably low, but again, drug addiction takes up a lot of that. Yeah, most of the I would say I would say the it. majority of the homeless I interact with are junkies. Yeah, but there's some that I are fair, clearly mentally ill. Those ones are going to stick out to you, so you're going to have bias towards that. You're going to know they're That's homeless because it's That's very very apparent bias. Yeah, <laughs> and you're going to run across other homeless people you might not even know they're homeless because they're not doing crazy stuff that grab your attention. Well, there's also people that are quote unquote homeless. Like I've seen some in L.A. where I swear to God I want to just kick them in the nuts. They are, for all intents and purposes, fully functioning individuals just out panhandling. Are they counted among the homeless population uh, that I see or not? Because I, not. I know these people, like uh, there's a guy downtown, there's, there's a guy in Culver City who's just standing out there. He's like, hey, how you doing? Talk to you. I'm like, go get a fucking job, dickhole. Or, the, or like I see these women that are out on the street like, oh, I'm pregnant. And they're like, you've been pregnant for two years with the same bump. Uh, go get a job. You know, so there's a lot of that as well. But regardless, I think mentally, mental issues, I think it's probably underdiagnosed, if I was going to guess. I don't think it's 25%. I think drug addiction is probably 40%, if I was going to guess. And the other ones are either people that are fresh out of, like, young kids that moved out here and then, or out of foster care, which, by the way, uh, I work with an organization, CASA, and uh, they work with all foster kids. A lot of foster kids end up homeless because they age out of the system. They have nowhere to go. They have no education. Booted on the street, they end up homeless. So that's probably twenty percent right sense. there. Yeah. What, why do you say organization like a Canadian organization? You say organization. That's like the Canadian way to say. How do you Organiz- say? organization? Organization. Like an American organization. Organization. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's definitely like a Canadian. Organization sounds like somebody getting a sex change. We're going to give you, we're going to proceed with your organization to the female sex. Here's your female organ. I don't know. You guys are fucking idiots and I'm not. What do you want me to tell you? But anyway, uh, great organization, by the way. Ah, there you go. You did it right. Yeah. So a lot of that comes from foster care as well. Though. With Los Angeles is a huge foster care population. So it's a lot of young kids aging out, nowhere to go. They go homeless. And uh, then the last 20% like we talked about is the kid is the people that they don't want a home. They want to be transient. They don't want the bills. They're happy. And because it's not enforced. So that brings us back to the enforcement issue. We talked about possible solutions. Look, are we as libertarians for enforcement and booting people off of sidewalks, booting people off of like, like I've heard stories in Los Angeles here, like locally where I live on Nextdoor, if you've heard of that website, a guy had a homeless person living against his fence on the other side of his fence. The other side of the fence, I guess, was public, you know, next to the freeway. And he's like, I can hear this motherfucker up all night, smoking weed, yelling, drinking. His friends come over. I can't do anything. He's like, I'm about to shoot him. If I shoot him, I go to jail. I can't get him to leave. And, and the county won't do anything about it. So where does that fall? Like, what, what do you do about Jeez. that? What's the libertarian solution? Well, that's property rights right there. I, was, I guess that was public property that he was on. So it's tragedy to the commons. Yeah. Who owns the property? There's also been, um, what about this? There's been state-owned properties uh, here, like uh, not far from LA, that, they per- that the state bought up. Uh, but have left abandoned and vacant. They intended to use them to as part of a something to build a bridge. They gave that up, or they haven't gotten the funding. A bridge to nowhere that never even got started. I think it was a bridge or a new freeway overpass, something like that. So now homeless people have started moving in because of the coronavirus. They're moving into to take shelter, and they're saying, "Look, these houses are abandoned. The gar- the government's not using them for anything. So why shouldn't we be able to occupy them? You could you could and you could make a libertarian homesteading argument for this at some point." You know what? And I would support that, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I'm not against it. I mean, no one. It's if the, if the state quote unquote owns it, then as a libertarian, we might might actually just say it's not legitimately owned at all. In yep. which case, if no one else is coming in, why can't someone come in and do? I agree. You know, fix it up however they uh, want. I weep for the families of eminent domain that were forced out of that by yeah, the state. Exactly. But in the meantime, yeah, if they're That's not using it. They should really it, get it back. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they should, and they should, yeah, they should get it back and be compensated. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, if they're empty houses and the state's not doing anything, yeah, move right in, move right in. Fine. Okay. Last, let's wrap this up with this question. Coronavirus. What effect is it going to have on the homeless population? And are you rooting for it? (laughs) Well, definitely not rooting for it, but it could, it could easily, uh, it could be catastrophic, especially in a place like, uh, Skid Row. Sounds like it. I mean, it could just run right through there. Uh, and everyone's in terrible health, probably. I mean, they're probably terrible diets. That's another big thing about homelessness we didn't talk about is a huge problem is so many of them have such terrible diets. They're eating horrible food. And that probably contributes to some of the mental issues and other other ailments that they have because um, you can't think Chicken clearly when you're nugget eating madness! Exactly. <laughs> Classic. So you when just I, see red mist when you un- eat nuggets? Undiagnosed. Uh, plague of the homeless population is chicken nugget magnus. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> uh, Mark, thoughts? Um, on coronavirus affecting the homeless? Well, um, hmm. how deep do you want me to go? <laughs> as deep as you want, baby. We have to go into whether it's real for it. I'm just kidding. I do think it's a real virus. Um, 
Don't make Odie uh, mad. I, I think that the biggest thing you might see again, be, especially related to the laws of California, where hospitals are 100% required to treat someone, doesn't matter if they have insurance or not, they're required to treat them completely. This will just be something else that can that overwhelms the hospitals any more than they are extent to, to the extent they are already overwhelmed. Um, it, if it gets into that population, I, I don't see any reason it wouldn't spread even more easily than people that are currently not even allowed <laughs> technically to, to congregate. Um, so yeah, I think that, that that might be the biggest problem is that if, if those homeless people get so sick, end up in these hospitals and just continue to overwhelm that, that system that's, that may become overwhelmed if Corona really, you know, does what quote unquote experts are saying it might do. And of but, course they are outside. And apparently what we learned yeah. <laughs> on our pride call, our Mufasa call, apparently coronavirus does not do too well outside. So true. True. What's yeah, funny is that great that homeless, closing all our trails here. The homeless are going to get infected. Should they make it to the hospital? Like I said earlier, we foot the bill for that. You know, it's like taxpayer foots the bill. Then you go in. If you get the coronavirus, you got to go in the ventilator. Here's your sixty thousand dollar bill. But let's Excellent. be serious. It's not just the homeless or even illegal aliens that drive this up. It's everybody. I mean, I know people personally that have told me that they've gone to the hospital knowing they didn't have insurance, knowing that they would be able to get out eventually get it done for free and run up a hundred thousand dollar bill and it got taken care of because that's how the state works. So it's, it's, it's the entire concept of the system that that continues to make this happen. Oh, I'm not blaming just the homeless. I'm just saying exactly right though. I'm saying the system is fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. JB. The great thing is we could all have great healthcare and we could all be able to afford it. if We just ended that part of the system that sounds so good on the surface. Of course, hospitals should have to treat people, but if you don't make them treat people, hospitals will be able to treat people like that. It's, it's, it's this really mm. circular problem. It's created by this, by the fake solution to the, Well, that's the question the though. Should hospitals have to treat people in Italy? They're turning exactly. elderly away. No one should treat anybody in a voluntary society. Exactly. Well, they're not, they're not turning get, them away. They just don't have ventilators. For I will say no, 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 that. They're literally, oh God, Mark. It's okay. I was just going to say, we do get into a tricky philosophical situation when the state funds hospitals and is so connected to them so much. You could also make an argument that if you're taking from everybody, you should have to help everybody. So, I mean, it's not necessarily clear because of our system. And that's where Italy, well, that's where Italy falls in place is that Italy's got a nationalized healthcare system, but they're like, hey, if you're 65 and over, uh, mafangul. It's also happening in Washington, Washington state. It's happening in one hospital up there. Really, five and over. They don't have enough ventilators. Maybe they fixed it in the past couple of days, but. Well, yeah, like that's what I had mentioned on on the forum, and that's it's 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 basically turned into like battlefield triage. Yeah. Essentially, like if you get a bunch of people come in, you have to be like, well, you're most likely to survive, so we got to do something about you first because we literally cannot do something for everyone. It triage. It's that's what that word that means. If you can't take care of everyone, you have to choose. You have to. I know it sounds vulgar and cold hearted and like, but you have to, cause you literally cannot treat everyone. Right. So it's like, however, as I had mentioned on our, uh, coronavirus special and conspiracy corner in a unregulated free market society, you could have people come in, look at the most targeted areas, say, where's the outbreaks we're going to go in. Like I get, I get the example of doctors without borders, right? Cause they're just sitting around being without borders in certain places where there's not an outbreak. And I have a million flies in here. Where are they coming from? Anyway. Uh, so I have an outbreak here of fruit flies I got to take care of. But you could have these doctors off borders and say, okay, we're going to ship doctors off borders over there. We're going to build a little triage here. We're going to put up, we're going to partner with the local construction company, throw up a goddamn building with basic walls that'll separate people, put some fucking insulation in there, 
get doctors in, charge a minimal fee that'll allow us to get the money back and maybe make a little profit. And there you go. Now you don't have this issue with the fucking hospitals. But the way it's working right now, even with the deregulation of the state, allowing people to get their licenses, you can't do something like that. Not quickly, not easily. The state gets in, they have to inspect it, they have to approve it, they have to all this shit. By the time they do that, 60 days later, everybody's fucking dead. So there you go. Get rid of the goddamn regulations. Let the free market operate. As always, the answer is to end the state and end, end coercive regulations and all of these things mm-hmm. that we advocate for every single day here. Well, what do you guys feel? How well, do you feel? We three answered? days a week anyway. Does anybody have anything else to add to this conversation about uh, homelessness? Do you think we gave some pretty decent solutions as libertarians? No, I think no, we're terrible. No, not at all. Frankly, I think we did an awful job. And we should probably redo the show. <laughs> do you guys have time? Should we start over? <laughs> uh, I think the hardest part, honestly, of, of this stuff is that oftentimes, like, it's oftentimes we can't even see that what the solutions would be because of the system. Because the system is so entrenched, because the system caused so many problems, it's it's hard to even envision how many solutions and and there might be to this problem in a in the completely different society to advocate for. And I think the the trickiest thing for libertarians out there to do is to try to explain this stuff to people who always come back to, but okay, but we live in the real world and we have this problem now. But again, the answer is always then get closer to what we're envisioning because closer mm-hmm. to what we're envisioning is going to make it less bad. And I'm sorry that you're the one that doesn't want to get there overnight, but I'm willing to get there overnight. But we have to advocate to get there as fast as possible and closer to there as fast as possible because continuing to have state-managed centralized solutions, whether they're well-intentioned or not, are always going to have these bad effects and make things worse. There's just no other way around it. So we have to continue to tell the truth about the solutions. We can't pussyfoot around this shit. We have to be honest. And the honest truth is we can't give you every single actual action that's going to happen that could help people. But we can say that eliminating these regulations and eliminating the, situ- the a lot of the systems in place that make housing so hard to get, that make housing so inaffordable, that make it so hard to get help for drug problems, eliminating all that stuff will at least give an immediate alleviation to many of the problems. And if we open up the market even more, more and more things will get better. But if we continue to centralize around the state, things will get worse. More people will say, hey, LA is the place to be for hopelessness. And it'll just get even worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's what we're seeing right now. So we have to at least continue to advocate to, to send the tide to go in the other direction. And the only way to do that, I think, is, is by shining that beacon and sh- being the shining beacons of liberty and saying, here's the end goal. Here's the actual end goal. We have to eliminate all of this. We have to eliminate it all tomorrow, preferably. But if you guys won't go along with tomorrow, can we at least eliminate these few regulations that really harm the homeless the most? Can we show you how it helps them? Shit, let the homeless open up a haircutting business. Now that coronavirus is out there and I can't go to my barber shop, let the homeless cut each other's hair. Let them cut my hair. I mean, I, I mean, there's let there's them so cut many each other's hair. I'm not going to go in on letting <laughs> them cut my hair. Well, I don't cut my hair, so it doesn't really matter to me. Here you go. I sharpened this haircutting tool with my own thigh bone. Uh, <laughs> I will say that I'm surprised you guys were so down. I actually, I actually thought this was a, a pretty good. I thought this was going to be terrible. Is what you're going to say? I thought, it, I thought it was very good. I thought it was very. I, I honestly, I thought between uh, what we, I think the solutions we gave, and granted, you know, they're not they're solutions in concept only because you have to get down to the nitty gritty. But I think between the decriminalization and legalization of of drugs and the treatment options that we're talking about, I think when we're talking about, uh, you know, the concept I threw out of apprenticeship, which of course JB is uh, is also. Uh, mentioned and supported. Maybe we can all become apprentices for Dr. Science and learn science while living at JB's house. <laughs> all right, JB, free up if some I, rooms. If my job doesn't come back, uh, then I want to I, I be the first to sign up. 
with a Dr. Science apprenticeship or a live in JP's house. And I will go out on a limb and say, I think this is the best libertarian people's. podcast on homelessness that's ever been done. That's probably Israel because I don't think there have been that many. But and I've I think many that others. I, and I honestly others. think that the arguments we've made will apply to the left and the right because they're practical. They are, uh, we always get accused of not being, not being sympathetic, but we've made arguments that are sympathetic. They're helping the people we're talking about. And they will appeal to both sides economically, like the right, if they're focused on the economy, let's say, or on whatever. We've got the, the argument there for apprenticeship, for big for uh, businesses to be able to compete. We've got the argument for decriminalizing for the left. It's going to allow these people to get back, get the help they need. So I say you're welcome. You're welcome, universe. universe and David Martinez. Listen to us and there's no <laughs> more homelessness. That's all. That's it. All right, guys. Well, thank you all. We'll wrap it up there. I'd like to thank Dr. Science J.B. Lubin for coming here, uh, taking precious time out of his doing nothing schedule because we're all on quarantine, I believe, in Philadelphia as well. Are you doing home experiments, J.B.? Are you doing any home science? Yeah, I've got actually a lot of work to do at home. Uh, How much of it can we record? Is Dr. Beakers, beakers everywhere. It's all all the not. Jamie turns Dr. Science to just be a Zoom show. Beakers. You're only familiar with wet lab work that we like wet markets. It's called wet lab work. (laughs) I have plenty of dry lab and, you know, paper pushing to do as a scientist, too. So it's keeping me busy. I've only got wet events to work on and events don't exist anymore. By the way, considering how ashy you were at Porkfest, I think we should nickname you instead of Dr. Science dry lab from now on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what up dry lab Dr. Science at day and dry lab at night when things get weird <laughs> uh, right. dry labs out so there you go JB Lubin Dr. Science uh, John Odermatt of course of Felony Friday fame and Mark Claire of our flagship Lions Liberty show gentlemen of the, of the Monday flagship and sometimes other than Monday flagship as you'll be seeing in the coming weeks I think what I said was fine alright <laughs> Arguing like Cuomo's on CNN. I wasn't arguing. I was just adding to it. Yeah, adding, adding, adding. All right, guys. uh, Thank you. I think this was a fantastic conversation, and I bid you adieu. Namaste. Later. We'll see you. All right, there you have it, everybody. That's our conversation. Honestly, I think we could have talked a lot more, but I do feel that we got a lot out of the way there. I think we introduced some good concepts for libertarians to use, to share with their friends as far as Here's the solution we can take. Here's not an authoritarian, passed down, government mandated way to do it. Here's also not a pure capitalistic, as they would say it, capitalistic way of doing it, which ignores the plight of the common man, right? Hope you guys got a lot out of this. And again, big thanks to Davey Martinez for his support and for introducing a, a topic which I touched on, but really, this was a great deep dive, a great topic for us to get into because. The one thing libertarians really need to do more is address what's going on in the world. What are, what are the topics of the day and how we provide solutions, people? Bitching about something is not enough. Granted, that's what I do on the show most of the time, but we have to provide solutions. And with that in mind, I hope you will share this show, not only with your libertarian friends, but I honestly think this is a show that can be shared with anybody left or right. And that was the goal of the show when I started. I think I've gotten off topic. Maybe I've gotten too crazy uh, after 169 or whatever the fuck episodes I'm on now. But the goal of the show is honestly to provide a funny take on libertarianism uh, or at least show that we have a sense of humor and give people an accessible way to talk about these issues. And I think we did that here. So please share this show with your friends on the left, with your friends on the right, with your with your parents, with your younger siblings, 
whoever it might be, with your spouses. We saw Davey Martinez was inspired by his beautiful fiance to join the Liberty Movement. So please share it far and wide. Give us a great review on iTunes if you'd be so kind as well, on Spotify, wherever you might be. And we do have a YouTube channel, so check that out. All right, that'll do it. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. Liberty.